It's great to see everyone. Um, I don't want anybody to feel like we got folks backsliding and going to hell. Um, we've got a lot of groups that started tonight, so we lost a lot of our sanctuary crowd, um, which I'm, I'm, you know, the struggle I have with rejection that bothers me, but no, I'm teasing. I'm, I'm so thankful for what God is doing in all of these groups and uh, classes. It's fantastic. Father, we come to you in the strong name of Jesus tonight, asking you to help us as we continue with our study of the Apostles' Creed. Break through and um, again, help us to leave here knowing something we didn't know when we came. But more important than knowing something, help us to believe something. Help us to act upon something. And we'll give you thanks, praise, glory, and honor by the way we live for what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're on number four of the Apostles' Creed, the Spirit He poured out. Now, number one was about the nature of creeds and uh, where they came from, how, why they are important. Uh, and remember, we, we placed them in their relation to scripture and how they develop, that sort of thing. Then number two, we, um, we talked about the God we serve. We covered a lot of ground that night. Um, number three, lesson number three was the Messiah or the Savior that he sent. Um, tonight is the spirit he poured out. Now you'll notice there's um, only one line devoted to the Holy Spirit, not because there was um, not much that the church believed. We find out quite the opposite. Let me set it in context for you. Um, there's only one sentence about the Holy Spirit, but the next topic, uh, lesson number five next week, the community in which we are placed, we'll find out that everything that is what we call it the life of the church is a product of the Holy Spirit. So it's not like he mentioned the Holy Spirit in passing and then he went on to some other stuff. Um, it, it's the, the um, oh, how, do, how do we say it? Um, I, I think it, it's not because our hearts are evil or we, we don't love the, the Holy Spirit. It, I, I think we just don't know how to relate to him as well as we do to God the Father and God the Son. Even though the scripture begins with him superintending the process of creation, um, we just don't know how to wrap our heads and our arms around the Holy Spirit. No, we love him. We don't, we're, we're not afraid of him. We just don't know, you know, it's like, uh, it's like a, a drawing that I saw one time of a fellow that went to heaven. It was in one of those little tracks. You remember the chick tracks that we used to give out a lot? Um, <clears throat> one fellow goes to heaven and he sees God the Father, you know, with the face that was illumined. You couldn't see it. He's sitting on the throne. And then you see Jesus. Now, Jesus is not hard to imagine because as far as we can tell, if we're understanding Hebrews right, Jesus will always be in his resurrected body. That's a memorial to his work. And it's fairly easy for us to comprehend Jesus. But apparently the artist, even at Chick Tracks, didn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. So he just had a dove happily flapping away 
and I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun. I'm just saying that's the way we are. Right? What do we do with this wonderful being called the Holy Spirit? Um, you say, well, pastor, the Bible calls him an it, you know, uh, the spirit itself, King James says. Well, you've got to understand that's because in the Greek language, um, the spirit is given a, a, a pronoun that's, uh, that's neuter. It's, it's not male or female. So the proper interpretation was the spirit itself. But by no stretch of the imagination does that mean that the spirit is an it. Uh, that's just the way that you translate it from English into Greek. So I want us to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit tonight. Let's read the creed again. I believe in God the Father, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence, or some versions say from whence, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And here's that sentence that sets the stage for tonight. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, let's talk it's just in very simple terms. I don't want to get into a lot of um, speculation about the Holy Spirit. I, I really want to look at him in the Old Testament uh, with a, just a quick look, a quick look at the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And then I want to relate our responsibility toward the Holy Spirit. Now, um, uh, there's, there's some, um, well, let, let's go ahead with that. Um, the Father is seen as creator. This is, this is generally speaking. You know, I say the Father is the creator, but we know from at least two passages in the New Testament, at least three passages, that the Son had a, had a heavy part in creation. And then we also know that the Spirit did as well. But the Father was the initiator um, and therefore was the creator. The Son is seen as the rescuer and the Spirit is the recreator. What we see the Spirit doing uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament um, is recreating what God had intended us to be in the beginning. Uh, the, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit today is Him recreating us. Um, one, one person put it this way, I think it's a good way to look at the, um, the book of Nehemiah. Um, <clears throat> Nehemiah, as we look at that, those, the post-exilic prophets, Nehemiah points out that the first thing the children of Israel did when they went back into the land was to rebuild the temple. That was a beautiful picture of our salvation. When we come to the Lord, the first thing that is restored is the presence of God. That's the very first thing that is restored. But then Nehemiah goes to work rebuilding the walls around the city. And that typified the work of the Holy Spirit. He is rebuilding the walls of our personality. He's rebuilding us in what we were meant to be. Um, 
some places the walls were brought all the way down to the ground. Some places the walls were only chipped away at the top. Other places they were halfway down or two-thirds down. That's the way we are. <coughs> um, we are all broken. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to begin to build us back up. You say, well, is it really that important? Well, think of it. Don't think of it as walls. Think of it as a barrel. Okay? Um, now, we don't use barrels much today except for decoration purposes. But um, think of it. Uh, if, if, for, pardon my, um, my, my poor illustration here. But think of it as a whiskey barrel. Okay? Um, you know, like if you have a, a half of a whiskey barrel like, you know, we use for planters and stuff. That, that wood has been so chosen and so crafted and so put together that it will hold for decades. It will hold the whiskey or water or whatever you put it in it for decades. But what we don't understand is that, and you say, how much can it hold? Well, I don't know, but let's just pick an arbitrary figure. Let's say it holds 25 gallons, the half of that um, whiskey barrel. Um, as you say, it holds 25, barrel, uh, uh, 25 gallons. Well, that's only true if one thing is true, and that is if every slat of the barrel is the same height that comes up to halfway. But you know what? If you cut the slats of the barrel or take one out or drill a hole in it or whatever, what you find out is that that barrel can only hold the liquid up to its weakest, lowest point. Now that's the way our lives are. And we may have some slats that we're very proud of, but we'll never be able to hold what that slat can hold if other slats are broken or are less. So um, that's the way our lives are. All of us, you know, if we were whiskey barrels, we're going to turn our good side. We're going to turn our good side, all of our slats that go up to the top. But if, if you have just one slat that's cut in half, you can't get any more full than halfway. So the Holy Spirit does this work of restoring us, recreating us. The Holy Spirit introduces the church. He introduces us to forgiveness. Do you, do you know that we, the Bible makes it clear, we can't even understand the gospel unless the Holy Spirit makes it clear to us. He introduces us to forgiveness, to resurrection, and eternal life. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit is associated with several things, about, about uh, five things, five major things. Number one, He's associated with divine creation. You remember that it says that the Holy Spirit, King James says, brooded or hovered or settled upon the, the face of the waters. And that's a, that's a very unique word. It's a powerful word. And it means that there was a, he, the Spirit was the powerful force waiting to begin recreation. Um, now, I, I say recreation, depending on how you interpret some verses, either, either creation from the beginning or recreation of a world that was being restored. But that's, that's for a class in Genesis. But at either rate, he was the creator. He is associated with human creativity. You remember when um, 
Moses started the construction of the tabernacle and the furniture in the tabernacle. He chose men that had special, we would call them crafts or skills, artisans. But the scripture makes it clear that it was the Holy Spirit that gave them their abilities to, to do that. So he was behind human creativity. Um, we see the scripture behind the anointing to preach. Uh, we understand that, but um, in the Old Testament is where we get the idea that um, God comes upon someone and gives them the ability to speak for God. I love the description um, that was used of Gideon. And one translation says uh, this, that God wore Gideon like a glove. Uh, in other words, it was Gideon's expression, it was Gideon's words, it was Gideon's fighting, but he was nothing more than a hand, a, a, a glove that fit over the hand of God. And that's a, that's a good definition. I mean, it's not, a, it's not an accurate uh, definition of anointing, but it's a good picture of anointing. God wears us like a glove and he uses our shape, he uses our form. He uses us, our personalities, but he is the one that energizes. So he was behind human creativity, divine creation, the anointing to preach. He was behind all kinds of enabling. Whenever someone was needing to do something that was difficult, they were promised that the spirit of the Lord would come upon them and would enable them to do that thing. And um, in the, even in the Old Testament, not just the New Testament, but even in the Old Testament, he was seen with the idea of sanctification. It was the Spirit of God that set something apart for righteousness or set someone apart for righteousness. Um, now when we get to the New Testament, I know we're kind of moving along here, but I really want to spend most of my time at the end. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is associated uh, with about six or seven things, major, major things. Um, <clears throat> he's associated, number one, with the continued work of Christ. The continued work of Christ. Um, he was, he was, Christ was anointed by the Spirit. Um, you know, um, oh, was it... Oh, I want to give credit, but I can't remember who said it now. But there was a, a good charismatic preacher back in the 70s that I thought illustrated it very well. He talked about Jesus who was conceived by the Spirit. Um, he was baptized in the Jordan and the Spirit came upon him. And, and then when he went into the wilderness and was tempted of the devil, he went forth in the power of the Spirit. And I think that's a good uh, parallel for us to follow as Christians. We're born again by the Holy Spirit. We're, we're um, baptized into the Spirit. Uh, uh, and, and then we're energized or anointed by the Spirit to do the work of Christ. So there's a continued work of Christ that the Spirit generates. Um, he is the power that initiated and sustained Messiah we find that not only was Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, everything he did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he was raised from the dead, when you read Paul's words, he was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he initiated the power of Messiah and sustained it. He now serves as the agent of Christ 
and the sanctifier of his people. He, he is the appealer. He is the case giver to the lost. He, Jesus said, tells the truth to the lost about sin and righteousness and judgment. Um, we, we think it's up to us and our program. And we need to have a good preaching ministry. We need to have good programs. But unless the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of an unbeliever, they'll never be able to see their need. And they'll never be able to see Jesus as Savior. So He is the agent of Christ. And when we come to Him, He is the one who sanctifies us and makes us more like Jesus year after year after year. He is witness and teacher. Uh, he, it is His responsibility to remind us of the things that Jesus said. Uh, John would say to the people in Ephesus in, in, in his epistle, 1 John, he said, you don't have any need for these special teachers. Now, he, he was not condemning teachers because we know that God gave teachers to the church, but he was talking about Gnostic teachers that said to everybody, you can't understand God without us. We have to be your guides for you to understand that. John said, you don't have any need that any man teach you because the spirit that is in you leads you into all truth. So he's witness and he's teacher. And guys, number five is something that I just don't think we preach about enough. And since I'm the preacher, I guess it's my fault, but I'm going to work on it. Um, he brings the seal of assurance into the lives of believers. One of the greatest gifts of the Holy Spirit is he gives us the assurance the assurance. I want to say it one more time. He gives us the assurance. What a miserable way to live the Christian life to wonder four or five days a week if you're really saved. Amen. To wonder if you're really going to heaven. But praise God for the work of the Holy Spirit that gives us the assurance. Um, Adrian Rogers used to say that it's down in your knower. He said it's somewhere between your liver and kidney. You've got a knower. And he said, now it won't show up on an x-ray, but it's in your spirit. And the Holy Spirit talks to your knower. And you just know that you're, that you say, that, that you're saved. In fact, um, um, one of the things that our pastor used to tell me as I was growing up he would say this. He'd say, children, oh, I love it when he'd quit preaching to moms and dads and start preaching to us children. He'd say, children, do this. He says, I know you're saved. And he'd say, Steve, I remember the night you came to the altar. Randy, I know when you gave your heart to the Lord. Kay and Faye, twin girls, I know your walk with Jesus. He says, but every now and then the devil is going to make you doubt. He says, do what you have to do. Go out in the backyard and hide from everybody else. He said, crawl under one of these pews and pray until you know that you know that you know that you know. And he said, God will give you the assurance. And he would say it with just tears. Oh, I miss that man. I love him so much. And I'll always be thankful that he taught us to pursue till you had uh, the assurance of salvation. Uh, number six, he is the sanctifier of our lives. And number seven, he enables personal fellowship with God Almighty and His Son through the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, guys, I want to spend uh, probably about 15 or 20 minutes. There's about 20 minutes or so on this last part, our responsibility. Um, I, I, um, I'm so thankful to have a Pentecostal heritage. I wouldn't trade it for any other heritage in the world. But I think I, think I misunderstood so much because I associated with the Holy Spirit with results and with manifestations instead of personality. It wasn't my church's fault. It wasn't my pastor's fault. It wasn't my parents' fault. We, we just, we emphasize that the Holy Spirit wants to do this and he wants to do that and he wants to do the other. And I, and I believe that. But I, I made a mistake that took me a long time to begin to correct. <clears throat> and I, it, it still kind of bites me every now and then. I think in term, when I pray for the manifest Holy Spirit, I still have a tendency sometimes, thank God I don't do it all the time, but I have a tendency for it to sound like I'm saying, come do something. Show up in the service. Cause people to shake or quake or weep or cry. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but um, I, there is so much that can be said about our relation to the Holy Spirit and, and, I've, and I've just given you a dozen things that if you just took one a month that would fill up the next year of studying these seven things that the Holy or 12 things that the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. But there's two things that he's really been dealing with my heart uh, about. Um, it's the two commands that we have from Paul. Number one, he says, do not quench and do not grieve. Do not quench the spirit and do not grieve the spirit. And uh, those two things are so important. In fact, I, I want to just give you a little bit of a testimony that um, I, I've struggled with how to do it because I don't want to sound like I'm patting myself on the back and saying this is what the Holy Spirit has shown me. It's just I don't know how to relate it without talking about how it's related in my life. So forgive me for not using another example. Um, it's not because I'm the best one. I'm a poor example of the submission to the Holy Spirit, but it's the one I know best. Um, this idea of do not quench, it has to do with receiving the Spirit's work. And that's what we Pentecostals are usually most comfortable with. That's, that's what we usually understand the most. Do not, as Paul said, one translation puts it this way when he says, do not quench the Spirit of God. It's translated, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Now that's a, that's a, a good reminder to us. Now we love that scripture in Pentecost because we like to talk about churches that don't believe like we believe. And we tell them, you better quit putting out the Spirit's fire. But um, Sometimes I think that we forget there's other ways to put out the Spirit's fire. It's possible to believe in the Spirit's fire and to pray for the Spirit's fire and to seek the Spirit's fire. And we may sometimes be among the first to put it out. Um, so I, I, I want to tell you, do not quench the Spirit's fire. Be careful, be careful and I don't think we ought to run around afraid that we're going to commit the unpardonable sin. I don't believe a Christian can commit the unpardonable sin. But neither does that mean we should run recklessly into disrespect and, and dishonoring. Um, I do believe there is an unpardonable sin. We've talked about that. 
Um, I've had two or three requests. I probably need to, Justin, somebody mentioned that to me today. If you can help me remember, because you know, not only do you have to dress me, you have to remind me of, of stuff, but we, we need to talk about the unpardonable sin probably again. But um, we, we need to be careful that we as Pentecostals learn to not put out the Spirit's fire. And um, I, th- I think we do a pretty good job with that. I think we, do, we, we usually welcome the Holy Spirit. We want Him to move. It's not often that anybody wants to resist the Holy Spirit um, in, in churches like ours. And, and when we do, it's usually something we don't intend or didn't even realize we were doing, you know, and uh, um, God's not an ogre. And I want to say this, I know that we're, we're taught that the Holy Spirit, um, uh, you know, is, is, is like a dove. Um, but I, and, and I don't dispute that at all. R.T. Kendall has done a marvelous teaching about that. And I, I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit is like a dove and, and, and can, be, can be rustled um, uh, from among us if, if we're not careful. But I also want you to remember he's more than a dove. Uh, he's a fire. He's a consuming fire. He's almighty God. And, he, and he's not nervous, you know. And, and uh, I, I think the idea of the dove is to remind us that he comes in, in, in gentleness, you know. And I used to hear all my life, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. <laughs> With all the good meaning of that, he is. But um, he, he's not... He's, he, he's not like Don Knotts, you know, a, a kind of a, um, let me, let me tell you, my, my pastor was told that the Holy Spirit was a gentleman. He finally, forgive me, I know I've told this story before, but some of you haven't heard it. Um, and I've just had my pastor on my mind the last few days for some reason, but uh, uh, coming up on his birthday is probably what it is, just subconsciously I'm thinking of him. But he gave his heart to the Lord uh, in a, in a, it's, sawdust floor tent meeting and wanted more than anything in the world for his wife to come. <laughs> and she was the most prim and proper all, all my life. I wanted to sit by Sister Stevenson because she smelled so good. She was always just, her skin was just alabaster and she smelled, I'm not talking about a gaudy perfume. She just smelled like it was just, you just couldn't get. So I, I grew up, you know, sitting by her on a lot of Sundays and she always chewed gum. So her breath was just absolutely perfect and it never a hair out of order. Um, it, it seemed when she opened her Bible for the sermon, it's like she just knew how to go there. I mean, the rest of us are thumbing, trying to find, and she just, you know. Well, she was so prim and proper. He said, Lord, she'll never come to one of these services where people are giving their heart to you and they're crying and snotting all down their face and rolling around in the, in the sawdust. Lord, I'm asking in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, please, Lord, when she comes, she says she's coming tonight. When she comes, please, please, please let everyone behave. Um, 
we, we had a dear man in our church. Uh, I won't call his name because somebody might misunderstand it. This is not any disrespect. I hold him in the highest esteem. But um, when he'd get happy, he would dance. And you'd never seen, I mean, it was like a wind-up toy. How he moved like that, I, I have no idea except that it was the Spirit of God. It was like his, his bones had just turned to rubber and... Oh, uh, when, when that, you know, that, when that song, the rubber band man came out, that's who we thought of, but, but it was before the Lord, you know, it was before the Lord. But when he took off dancing, he was going to dance. He was going to dance up the aisle and back down the aisle. And there was nothing to do. We just wait for him to get through dancing. And he was not, he had a, a kind of a raspy voice, but the spirit of God would come upon him and he would begin to sing a song in the spirit and it was so beautiful, but it was in tongues and we, you know, we just wait. That was just our culture, you know? Um, and, um, I remember every time I'd invite a friend, I would say, Lord, please don't let brother so-and-so not, not today. Maybe he could do it tonight, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't ashamed, but I just knew that it, it my friend would never come back, you know? One of them I'd invited, my friends I'd invited to a tent meeting. And he said, that man seems wild. Well, I said, well, let's just sit in the back. And he, he said, I want to go far enough. I want to go further back. I said, no, we're fine. I said, he's not going to come out here. And during the sermon, he kicked a chair. And the chair starts bouncing over other chairs. And it's coming right toward us. And I saw his eyes get big. And he, we, we're, we're high school boys. You don't do this. He grabbed me and held on to me as this chair comes closer and it knocked over every chair in the road till it got right before us and then just stopped. And he looked at me and said, well, let's go get a hamburger. You know, <laughs> he said, Lord, please let people behave. And in those days, we had what we called the call-up choir. We didn't have a choir. That was, that was for worldly churches that couldn't depend on the Spirit, you know. So we would have a call-up choir. Some Sunday nights, we had more in the choir than we did out in the, out in the auditorium, you know. But he said, I answered the call-up choir, and he said, when God saved me, he saved me big time. He said, I would dance and shout and jump and roll around. And uh, he said, I knew my wife wouldn't want to do that. And he said, I felt the spirit of God. I was on the first row of the stand-up choir. And he said, I felt the spirit of God begin to come upon me. I, I, guys, I know where I'm going. Just trust me here. And uh, he said, I can't do this, Lord. Not tonight, Lord. Not tonight. I'll dance two dances tomorrow night, but not tonight. He looked out at his wife. And he said, I'm not going to dance. And he laid his book down. Well, not, well, they didn't have a book. It was song sheets. And he, he said, I grabbed hold of the, the, the pipe. It was an iron pipe that had a curtain sewed around it. And uh, it, it was kind of a modesty thing for maybe some of the ladies in the choir or whatever. He said, I grabbed hold of it. And he said, I, I'll sing, but I'm not going to dance. And he said the spirit of God came upon him and flipped him over the pipe. He said, I held on to the pipe. He said, but it flipped me over. And he said, I'm laying on the front row. Like, I mean the, in front of the choir like this. And he said, no, 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 no. 
And he said, he said, it never before or after had this happened. He said, the spirit of God came upon me and flipped me back the other way. And he said, and I'm standing there. And he said, um, I can't remember if he said, I said it to myself or his buddy said it to him. But he said, uh, they called him Lukey. He said, Lukey, you better, you better obey God before you get hurt. And he let go. He said, I just danced. And he said, I, she'll never come to the Lord. She'll never come to the Lord. She'll never come to the Lord. But he said, I learned that night to never quench the spirit, to never put out the spirit's fire. Because when I came to thinking, okay, it's over, she'll never come to the Lord. She was weeping and crying and with her expensive handkerchief, wiping her face as she came to the altar. And she put down her handkerchief so she would not get her dress dirty as she knelt down to receive the Lord. And he said, that beautiful wife of mine that had never raised her voice or never done anything um, out of the way suddenly began to thrash in the floor back and forth. He said, and she started rolling and he said, he said, in my mind, I thought, well, she'll be okay on sawdust. He said, and I saw her rolling directly toward the heater, the, the, toward the heater that was just coal dust and stuff on the ground. He said she rolled right up to it. He said it was like she was being directed by a hand we couldn't see. She rolled around and rolled on top of every pile of coal dust that was there. He said that alabaster sweetheart of mine was, was black from head to foot. And she stood up speaking in tongues and give, had given her heart to the Lord. He said, loved ones, I don't understand everything but he said, don't quench the Spirit's fire. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. I remember when I was praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I remember that I, those ladies in our church were the most awesome prayer warriors. Um, I, I don't mean to be critical of men, and men, please don't be offended by this, but the women in Pentecostal churches are the most awesome prayer warriors on planet Earth. They would gather around you and they weren't going to let you go till you spoke in tongues. And, um, you know, I was yelled at. They called me Stevie. Stevie, look up. The spirit don't come from down there. Look up. And then another one would say, Stevie, don't be arrogant. Bow down. Bow down. They would grab my head and shake it and rub it back and forth and grab my golly hopper and shake it to try to help me speak in tongues. They were so sincere. And I finally realized if I'm on a river, receive the Holy Spirit, I got to get away from everybody. And I crawled, I crawled under the front row where they couldn't get to me. I heard my pastor talking to him and he said, let him go, let him go. He's, he's searching for the Holy Ghost. Let him go. He'll be fine. And I got under the front row and as I got, I mean, they meant so well, they, they, God love them. I wish I had them around to pray for me today, but sometimes you just got to get under the front row where, where nobody can fit except a little fella and you just get under the front row and, and, uh, <laughs> I began to speak in tongues. I was bouncing on my face, speaking in tongues. And one of those precious ladies grabbed me by the leg and pulled me out. 
He pulled me out. I'm speaking in tongues. He says, he's got it. He's got it. And then pushed me back under the rope. Now, we don't have to do it that way. But loved ones, I want to tell you, I'd rather have the Spirit's fire move in ways I don't understand than to give him regulations. Now, now here's the next word. And this is what I, where I've got to hurry. Um, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, do not quench. That's about his operations. But do not grieve is about his relationship with you. Grieve, I've said this before, is a, is a love word. My car may make me mad, but I don't grieve over a car. You know, um, cable going out in the last two minutes of a football game might make me mad, but I don't grieve over cable because I don't love it. But I tell you what, my wife can grieve me or I can grieve her because we love each other. And I know I can make her mad. And I know you don't believe it, but she might even make me mad. But that's insignificant and that passes. And it's usually something stupid I've done. I mean, something stupid that happens. And, uh, but it, 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 it never lasts. And, and I, I can say this, 99% of the arguments we've had through the years, we've been together 40, over 40, well, almost closer to 41 years than 40 years. But I honestly, I, I can only remember two or three arguments, the reason for the arguments. Because that's, but grieving, grieving is a love word. And I, I think that we need to move away from the idea that we make the spirit mad and he flies away. But we do need to understand that we can grieve him. This is a love term. And what it means is this, do not damage the affections of the Holy Spirit. Do not damage the affections of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you where God has me right now. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a babe in Christ. I'm, I'm not a babe in anything. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm in my mid-60s. But I tell you, he's brought me back to the table. And he's got me on my face crying to understand the Holy Spirit. To, to know him better than I've ever known him. Um, I, I think in my 20s and 30s and 40s, I prayed for more power. And I realize now what I should have prayed for is better hearing. Better hearing. The first time God ever gave me a supernatural dream, he started doing it when I was seven years old. And he was saying things to me. Some of them were prophetic, but I did not understand them. I'm, again, I'm using me only because I know me better than anyone else. And my mom didn't know how to help me with it. And I would just wake up and crying and it, it wasn't fear, but it was, I, I saw an angel one time um, when I was like five years old, I didn't know what to do with that. And it didn't scare me. There was such love coming 
from the angel and such protection. I knew I was being watched over, but I just didn't know what to do with it. And she called my pastor, forgive me for talking about him so much tonight. She said, maybe you can explain to him what's going on. And please understand this. I am in no way, even remotely in any capacity, anywhere near like a Samuel. But my pastor sat down with me and he said, he said, Stevie, let me tell you a story. And he told me the story of Samuel and he told me how he heard the Lord but didn't know what it was. He said, I'm going to tell you something that I want you to remember all the days of your life, whatever else you learn. And he leaned up to my ear and he said this. He said, he said, listen, listen, always listen. And he said this, I did not understand it. I understood what he said, but I didn't understand how important it was. I guess I was seven years old at that time. He said, there's no limit to what a man or woman can do if they'll just listen to the voice of God. I had other stories I wanted to tell you tonight, but we're, we're basically out of time. But I just want to tell you, as God is doing what he's doing in our midst, um, loved ones, the hunger of my heart is not for better programs. The hunger of my heart is not even for bigger buildings or, or even bigger crowds. But my heart is calling out to God for us to be a congregation that is not afraid to listen, to listen, to listen. I know that we think we know him, but if we're not careful, we'll make the same mistake that Elijah made. And because God has worked through fires, we think that's him. Or because God has worked through earthquakes, that's him. Or because God has spoken through mighty winds, that's him. And you know what? Elijah wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. God does speak through the wind. He does speak through the fire. He does speak the earthquake. Can I tell you that there's been two or three times I wake up in the middle of the night and I, I, somebody's whispering in my ear. You say, oh, what, what does the voice say? Every time it's the same. Listen. Listen. We are in a day that God is calling out people that will listen to the ministering voice of the Holy Spirit and follow him wherever he says to go and do whatever he says to do. I, and I'm, and I'm, I'm still learning what I've known for years. Always listen, always listen. I'm going to tell you two things real quick. When I was in, um, I guess my junior year of high school, I had developed a pretty good prayer life. And ever since, ever since I was a young fellow, my pastor had impressed upon us the importance of praying. Um, but it really began to become systemized in the seventh or eighth grade. And then by the time I was in the ninth grade, I think I had a pretty good prayer life. And I was, I was feeling like I was obeying the Lord, but I began to feel a stirring in my heart and I told my pastor, I said, this is what I feel. I don't know what the stirring is. He said, I tell you what I believe. He says, God is going to speak to you in your prayer time. And he's going to tell you what this is all about. And he said, I feel it's so important. 
listen to what he says. And, and as I prayed, the Lord spoke to me. I remember where I was. I could, I could take you to that bedroom. I could take you to that place where he spoke to me. And this is what he said. He said, I want you to take, and I forget how many days it was. He said, I want you to take so many days and just wait on my presence because this is what I want you to know. Everything I call you to do will depend upon your receptivity to my voice. He said, there's so many things you bring to me, your failings, your, your shortcomings, your fears, your weaknesses, your hopes, your dreams. He says, stay before me until it's impressed on your heart how important it is to hear and to listen. And I want to tell you, that was a turning point in my life. I don't know how to describe what happened, but God helped me understand how important it is to, to listen and to hear. This week I was at a prayer retreat and I felt like the Lord had told me several weeks ago, this is where I want you to go. This is where I want you to pray. And this is what I want you to pray about. Um, I, I've learned that when I go on a prayer retreat, which I do probably 10 times a year, when I go, I have an agenda. I let God begin to give me an agenda for prayer because in the early days I would go and I'd spend half my time worshiping. What do you want to talk to me about? And I found out that um, he's much more efficient than I thought. And he, he generally sends me with an agenda, but this time it was very specific. He said, nothing else. These, these things are what you're to pray about. And this is where I want you to go pray. It was a prayer room. And I went the first day I went, um, it was in, it was, I walked in and the music was so loud. Now you got to understand I'm an old dinosaur. I want it the way I want it. That's the way Jesus likes it. That's the way I like it. There's a volume that is called the holy volume and that's what I wanted. And I went in there and it was so loud. It was distracting. And I remember three times I said, Lord, let me, let me go over to the other building. Um, because you've, you've touched me in that other building so many times. Well, it is Morningstar. You, most of you have been to Morningstar. And I was over in the Bob Jones uh, Vision Center. And I said, Lord, I can't even hear myself think. And the Lord just said, just press through. Just press through. And, and I said, I, I said this. I knew I was trying to be funny. But I said, Lord, I, I, I want to press through. And that's why I'd like to go over to the other building so I can press through. And the, the Lord said, just, just press through. And so I probably prayed for 35, 40 minutes and it was, it was just going nowhere. Bless her heart. The music, it was beautiful, it, but it was just too loud for, for these old ears. There's me and one other person in there with the worship leader and, and the other person was just, I mean, they were right in front of the speakers and just getting with it. And I thought, I said, Lord, this is, this is my fault. And three times he said, just press through, just press through. And um, I said, Lord, you've told, taught me to listen. So I said, let me, let me just listen. Let me just listen. And I said it again, trying to be funny. I can hear better over there when I'm listening, if you'll let me go. He said, just listen. 
And I got up, I began to walk around, and it was just oppressively loud. And in the middle of, in the middle of all of this pressing through, the Lord started saying, listen, just listen. And so I tried to listen. And guys, I want to tell you, I'd been praying at this point by about an hour. And the Lord said, look, look. And I opened my eyes and I saw something in the natural that took on spiritual dynamics. He was showing me a vision in my spirit. And I began to weep. I began to convulse. I began to collapse because God was showing me something in the spirit I could have never known without him opening my eyes. And I cannot describe, I cannot communicate to you how special the next half hour was, okay? The next day I go back and um, he says, go in and pray. And I go in and there was people having a committee meeting. And... um, I walked in and they, they were very polite, but they said, we have a, we're church staff, we have a meeting. It's not open for prayer right now. And I said, I understand, I am so sorry. So I just went outside and I prayed. It was uncomfortable, it was a little chilly and it was uncomfortable. But I went outside and I began to pray. And um, I, I got, I, I, I said again, I said, Lord, you know, I could just go over to the other building and I would be fine. And the Lord said, I told you to pray here what did I tell you to do? And I said, you told me to listen. So he said, listen, just listen. And in an uncomfortable place, almost an oppressive place, rain, the Lord said, now I want to talk to you about. And then he brought up something that I was totally oblivious to. And he gave me revelation that will affect me and this church for years. And the last thing he said to me, all I was writing down, last thing he said to me, always listen, always listen. So I go back the third day. Okay, Lord, loud music, committee meetings. I go back the third day and people are in there talking. They're not talking to God. They're all over the place. They're talking. And I'm saying, Lord, Lord, have I mentioned that there's a building right over here that I could just go into? And, and um, he just said it again. He said, just listen. And I, so I sat there and I could hear all of this talking going on. And they were talking about songs. They were talking about worship, but they weren't, they weren't praying. And I, I struggled with this for probably 30, 45 minutes. And um, as I was there, the Lord just kept saying, listen. And after about 45 minutes, it just, it wasn't a vision like I saw the first day. But I just saw things line up over a problem that I was praying about. And he said, do this, do this, and do this. And I just start weeping again. I collapse on the floor. And um, right after that, a gentleman came over. I think he was probably worried about me. Uh, You know, I just collapsed and I'm crying. 
And, and he said, I, I am so sorry. He said, I'm a ministry leader. These kids are young worship leaders. And he said, I bring them in once a week to talk about how to lead worship here in the house of prayer. He said, I know it's impossible to pray with all of this going on, but I just wanted to apologize. And, you know, I'm wiping snot and I'm telling him everything's fine. And, it, and God, you know, I'm writing and I'm writing and I'm writing. And loved ones, as I, as I left, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want to tell you one more thing. I've got like 17 pages of things that he put in my heart. He said, I want to tell you one more thing. He said, the era of your life that is about to begin, he said, you've got to understand that when, even when there are unwelcome additions around you, when there are agendas that have nothing to do with what you're concerned about, when the room is full of distractions, he said, what has brought victory all three of these days? And I, I, I didn't know, and he said this to me. He said, you've listened. And loved ones, again, I'm not using me. I'm the poorest example of a person that hears God that I know of. But maybe the reason I wanted to use myself tonight is to tell you that if he can speak to me, he can speak to you. But it hinges on not grieving the Holy Spirit. It hinges on not damaging the affections of the Holy Spirit. You know what it's like to talk to somebody that you love, you say something the wrong way, or you do something you wish you hadn't done, and you realize you, you'd take it back. You'd, you'd beat yourself over the head if you could to take it back, but you realize you've damaged the affection of the moment. And I, I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit isn't snippety with us and he doesn't just shut down and say well you never take me seriously or he doesn't shut down and say well if that's the way you feel about it I'll just find somebody else to talk to but loved ones I'm learning painfully and slowly that this Holy Spirit is one we don't want to damage the affections of the Spirit we don't want to grieve the Spirit and that's why we need to, you know I'm talking about encouragement Sunday that's why I think one of the things God's trying to teach us is to be careful the way we treat one another. Amen. To be careful of the way we interact with other people. Because when brothers and sisters mistreat brothers and sisters, that grieves the spirit. Time for us to stop. Father, help us, please. I know we have to go. But Lord, I believe that you're working in us. You're working in us. You're doing, you're doing more in us right now, pound for pound and hour for hour than I think you have ever done in the history of this church. Lord, we don't want to put out your fire and we don't want to damage your affections. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you do but Lord, this isn't about manifestation, as important as that is. This is about relationship. It's not by might and it's not by power. And 
Lord, we realize that the Holy Spirit can do more in five minutes of yieldedness than we can do in a year of teaching and programs. So we want to say again, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. And we want to say, come, Holy Spirit, come in power. Come and help us to listen. Help us to listen. Help us to listen past additions and distractions and the agenda of others. Father, help us to listen. Help us to listen. Justin, would you come and end our time tonight however you want to end us in prayer?